0: This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. With a leading portfolio of products for earlier detection and treatment guidance, Exact Sciences helps people face the most challenging decisions with confidence. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Thoughtful gestures, big and small, mean so much to survivors, whether they've just been diagnosed or completed treatment many years ago. Today's guest, Janice Workoff, has devoted her life and career to advocating for her fellow sisters through making phone calls, joining them at their appointments and spreading the word for improved health care and more clinical trials. It is her mission to raise awareness for breast cancer through speaking engagements, educational resources, counseling, and hospice guidance. She stands on the premise that helping others is her purpose, her assignment, her calling, and she is a true leader in making a difference. Janice, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love your I love your whole attitude, uh, but let's let's dive in. We're gonna hear a lot more about that. I'm excited about it. Um, but let's start with your breast cancer diagnosis. I want to start there because it seems like it truly changed the trajectory of your life. So so tell us about that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I was diagnosed. Uh, actually, this is January 2022. So now I'm a 34-year survivor of breast cancer, 34 years. That is amazing. When I think about that, That's that shocks me. <laughs> but uh, I was wrestling with my son. He was five years old at the time. And uh, he hit my breast accidentally. And when our hand touched my breast, I noticed that something was different, something that I've never uh, had noticed before. And so um, I was right on it. I went right to the doctor. And uh, again, I was 34, so they didn't want to do a mammogram, but I insisted that they do a mammogram. And so they did. And uh, it came back uh, suspicious. Uh, It says suspicious. Let's check it in about six months again i wasn't comfortable with six months so i asked could they do a incisional uh biopsy where they actually cut the breast and and tested and they did and they came back and it was indeed breast cancer and so it was uh it was stage one inside two it was just right there in that area and it was stage zero to stage one um I was very, very devastated. I didn't know anybody that had breast cancer. I heard it on TV, on the radio, uh, different people. So uh, I, was, I was really, I was devastated. I was really shocked. That's something that you think it cannot happen to me. And then I was so young, I was just 32 years age. So um, I had the um, mammogram and then he suggested um, that I have uh, surgery. And so if I knew then what I knew now uh, I would not have had the modified radical mastectomy where they removed the breast I would have had a lumpectomy, but they didn't have the uh, you know they didn't have the internet and the, all the Google and all that kind of stuff in. so I had to go to the library you know stuff like that and research it and, and, and rely on uh, uh, the medical profession but uh, I worked on emotions and so I did have the modified radical mastectomy uh, the removal of the breast. I've since had a reconstruction, but I would not have had that. I would have known, you know, other options as they have now. But I had that, and uh, and I did well. I did very well. But three months after the surgery, I woke up and something had happened. Something was different. My uh, my, I had redness in my chest, and uh, it was something different. So I'm aware again. Being aware of your body is just so important. And I knew that that was different. And so I go back to the doctor and he said that it was a reoccurrence into the chest wall. And so uh, the first time I had surgery, and I did fine. I didn't have to have chemotherapy, radiation. The margins were clear. Everything was OK. But the second time, because it had reoccurred, uh, they hit me pretty hard with, uh, with some hard drugs. Uh, people call it the red devil, cytoxin, atromycin, and 5-FU. So um, I was very sick at the time. Sometimes I couldn't walk and sometimes I couldn't talk. And I'm I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, so uh, I had to call out the troops of the family. My mother and my mother-in-law had to come down. I had a five-year-old son at the time to help my husband to be able to take care of the household because I was very sick. And so it's very important to have a, a support team, to have a very good support team. And so I did have that. And I went through the chemotherapy. And then after that, I had the radiation. Uh, for six weeks. And after that, everything was clear. And so it's been 34 years now and my days have turned into months and my months have turned into 34 years. And so I'm excited about that.
0: Wow. I'm excited about that. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations on that. And, and so, so I hear you've had a motto since then. Can you tell me what that motto is and what it means to you?
1: Yeah, my motto is during that time that I that I was very sick, uh, the Lord just spoke to me and said, This is not gonna be unto death, this is gonna be for you to help so many people. And so my motto is that I'm on a mission, not remission. And so I'm on a mission to be at the side of ladies that are diagnosed with breast cancer, making sure that they're understanding all the language that the medical team is, is uh, talking to them, that they understand that, making sure that they are making a decision in a timely manner to get the care that they need. And so I'm on a mission to make sure that they are getting the best care uh, as an advocate for breast cancer.
0: Oh, I love that. I love it. And it's so important. It's so important for, for people to have those advocates alongside. And so, so what are some of the ways that you have advocated for and supported other women through their breast cancer journeys?
1: Well, I, uh, again, I go to, if I, if they're diagnosed and they call us, I try to be with them at their doctor's appointments so that I can understand. And they're doing such a, such a great job of it. Now I worked in the medical field, I'm retired now. I'm a registered cardiac sonographer, ultrasound of the heart. So, uh, I worked in the medical field, so I understand a lot of the, uh, language. So I go with them and make sure that they understand they're asking the questions that, that they need. They have done the medical team, I have to admit, have done a really great job in 30 for years by explaining, they kind of give a folder now, they explain the medication, the side effects, um, and uh, all that they need to know, they're answering questions. So, cause they're working on emotions and I didn't have anybody with me. So I try to make sure, cause the person is diagnosed just hear the word cancer and they think in cancer death. So if you have somebody with you, they can tell you, no, that's not what they said. You know, they said that they're gonna do blah, blah, blah. So I try to be there for them for that. And then not only for that point, just following up with them as they're going through. And if they are saying, you know, I'm real, real sick, try to encourage them, call your medical team, call your doctor, they can help you. So being there for them, praying with them, talking with them and then getting them with uh, angels, some of the members in the group that maybe have the same diagnosis as theirs, if they're stage four or stage one or stage two or reconstruction, trying to match them up with the ladies so that they won't feel like they're by themselves and they can make it through it, give them hope try to give them hope.
0: Well, I, I would imagine you're excellent at, at giving hope. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that they have you there to, to do that for them. So you're, you're involved with an organization. So tell, tell us a little bit about that as well, please.
1: Angel Surviving Cancer Inc. Uh, this is our 10th, last year was our 10th year uh, anniversary. And it's just an awesome uh, organization. We have uh, four different programs. We have a program of education uh, and then we have the network where we, again, we meet with the ladies. We have our monthly, well, now we've been having the zone call. We will have monthly in-person meetings. We have our scholarship program. We have our mental health program. We have our care program where we help ladies with financial assistance with their rent, uh, utilities, because when they're diagnosed, a lot of times they can't work and they've used all their, uh, all their savings, all their 401k, things like that. So we try to help them in whatever way we can. And then we have our new program that started last year, it's called Halo, is Healed Angels Living On. And those are young survivors, ages 20 to 45. And so we started that group so that this young, our young president, uh, Crystal Deming, is a part of that uh, group. And so she heads that group. And I think that's important, the young ladies to be able to uh, meet them where they are, because a lot of them are podcasts, a lot of them are texts, a lot of them are, uh, it's different from what it used to be. So they rather, they would meet them where they are is like, they have young children, different things like that. So I'm really excited about that program taking off. This is an awesome, awesome group. Our uh, membership and our board, uh, we meet together and we just love on the women and we just have a different, we have an angel's touch. That's what makes us different. We're kind of one-on-one with them. We follow up with them. And we make sure that we're on top of whatever it is that they need, getting them to the right resources. If we can do it, making sure that they know the diagnosis and they know where they're going, and be able to help them and their families. We have Guardian Angels, which is our volunteers. And so we're excited about this organization. Uh, like I said, this is our 10th year, and uh, we're doing some great things. And so angelsurvivingcancer.org is how they can, people can get in touch with us. Oh, I love that. That sounds like some great
0: work. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So I understand that you're involved in, in numerous organizations. You're an executive director. You're a certified patient navigator, uh, among other things. I, I would say that's kind of the definition of tireless passion. So my question is, where do you find the energy to do all of this?
1: Oh, I find the energy, I guess, to, to praying and through God, and uh i do a lot of i do do a lot of self care i love walking and so this is some good weather for walking too this morning when i took the dog so i would walk in and meditation and then i do i do a lot of reading and now they have a lot of webinars to learn uh different things and then the ladies uh in in my organization they give me strength and they give me encouragement and so i try to make sure that i take self care we we do vacation and then i shut stuff down so i try to make sure that i'm doing self care and not have so much on me. so that's mm. really good self care
0: yeah it's so important and it's so easy to lose track of too so i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. very glad to hear you're doing that so so what i mean what inspired you to devote your life to this work and and was there someone in particular that was there for you when you were undergoing your own treatments that kind of helped to inspire this
1: yeah i think what inspired me is that Uh, I think I had such a hard time that, like I say, when I get up from here, and I'm going to get up from here, I'm going to be able to help so many ladies. And so that inspires me to be at their side and to hear them, to actually to see them from the beginning to where they are back uh, with productive living and quality of life, not just living. They're having quality of life and productive living. They're not just living. So to be able to see them do that, to see them smile, that inspires me a whole lot. And then I did. I had uh, I had a best friend. Uh, her name is uh, Loretta Wiggins. And uh, she had just had a, a baby during the time I was diagnosed. So she would come over and she would take care of me and she would fuss at me and make me get up and not let me be discouraged, pray with me and things like that. And uh, I am just so sorry to say, and this is so funny, about uh, 24 years out, when I was 24 years diagnosed, she was diagnosed. She was diagnosed, but uh, she uh, she passed away about three years ago and that really uh, that's some, some things can just come and just punch you in the stomach. That just really punched me because she was such an advocate, such a blessing for me, such a encouragement. And you have to have that type of person. And then she was diagnosed. I was able to be there for her like she was for me, but, uh, she passed away about three years ago. Mm.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly sorry for that loss, but, but thankful that she inspired you. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's, that's good. It's good to have uh, friends like that. So, yeah. So, you know, as you're helping people, what are some of the most common day-to-day things that you find that women need help with? And how can friends and family members best support them in those areas?
1: I think the most common things is is resources because the after effects of, of uh, the diagnosis is very uh, tough. Uh, there's mental health. Um, and so just resources of uh, clinical psychiatrists actually encouraging them to go to one, um, the neuropathy, sometimes the bone aching, some of the, the, uh, the, the side effects of the medication, encouraging them to talk to their, um, to their medical team, but also, uh, giving them resources. Sometimes maybe you can call for them and, and, you know, tell them, Hey, she's been throwing up for three days. What can we do? Cause they don't feel like talking a lot of times. Uh, sending a card you know to them somebody that don't know you and you send them a card that's so encouraging uh, now we can text so just kind of texting somebody and letting them know whatever we can do to try to encourage them but mostly uh, resources a lot of time you can give people resources and they don't follow up but if you can follow up for them sometime that's really good that's really good
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, just people knowing that you're in their thoughts uh, that, they're, that they're in your thoughts, you know, it's just so important. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Well, you know, Janice, you exude hope and encouragement. And I think you're just such an amazing example of how we can support people. Uh, do you have any final advice that you'd like to leave with our listeners?
1: I think for now, while we're in uh, like this COVID, uh, <laughs> this virus stage right now, I think a lot of people may may still be scared and have fear. I think just talking to your physician, to the uh, hospital staff, they're trying to make it as safe as they possibly can uh, for them to get their mammogram. Uh, I know they're saying you should wait, I think it's like two weeks uh, when you get the mammogram. Uh, injection before you get your mammogram because it shows abnormality but just find out all that you can from your healthcare team and if you can't find out from them just keep researching and maybe talking to another survivor uh i think getting to another survivor for me my healing was my family was good and my support from my girlfriend was good but it wasn't until i got to another survivor that i didn't feel so alone and i felt like that she had went through what I went through so then I can discuss different things and and get to get to what I need to know uh, in a timely manner. So I think just getting to another survivor self care and taking taking care of ourselves.
0: Mm, that's so important. so important. So important. Yeah. Self-care is so, so important. Well, Janice, this has been inspiring. I really appreciate the work that you're doing for this community. It's so important. We need more people that are like you that can advocate and empathize. And we just thank you so much for the support that you're giving.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank
0: you to Exact Sciences for supporting this Real Pink podcast. For more information about Exact Sciences, please visit their website at exactsciences.com. For more information about genomic testing in breast cancer, please visit www.coman.org. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.coman.org, and for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, AdamJWalker.com.